Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. You want to do a podcast? Yeah. All right. Welcome to Hacking the Crypson. Uh, this is episode 20. Wow. And today, I know, um, we thought we would talk about something 20 related because a D20 is a, is a die that has 20 sides and it's used in the popular game of Dungeons and Dragons. We're not going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons today. Well, maybe we will. I don't know. But we wanted to talk about game development or game dev for short, as you'll probably see it on the internet if you search for it. Um, and Matt and I just wanted to do like a little overview, a very, very high level overview of what game dev is and some interesting kind of things, um, in games that we, uh, find interesting as far as the development and how they work. Uh, because obviously there's a million subtopics of game dev and, you know, we could do many podcasts about that, but, uh, we got to start somewhere, right? Yep. So, uh, Matt, why don't you... Take us away by, uh, you know, talking about one of uh, an interesting game or an interesting mechanic that uh, you found recently. Sure. Ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to constrain you to, you know, the last five minutes. Go! No. Recently. Ah, it's a whole other yeah. thing. Um, <gasps> I think probably the most interesting, somewhat recent topic in games is procedurally generated content. Um mm-hmm. I feel like that was not something that really existed when I was growing up and playing games that is almost ubiquitous now. It's in so many games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the entire selling point of some games, like No Man's Sky or whatever. Um, yeah, every roguelite ever, basically. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's that's a good point. Yeah, NetHack was probably the only like procedurally generated thing that existed yeah. back it's, it- then. Yeah. it's yeah i i didn't want to cut you off but basically just to clarify it's not like procedural procedurally generated content is a new idea but it definitely was it's definitely was more unique back in the day and now like you said there are many many games that use it as their sole selling point yeah um we have talked a little bit about i was at one point considering trying to write a my own wordle like game and Which I, you will finish someday before you die, yes. Probably mm-hmm. not. Uh, <laughs> but the thing I was doing was ultimately going to generate a maze. Um, and I was going to do that procedural generation. But I wanted it to be pretty small and simple. And it's it, that's a complicated topic. We could easily do several episodes just on that one uh, topic. But that that's, for me, lately, when I'm playing games, that's the thing that I find really uh compelling from like a developer standpoint like i really wonder i wonder how they did that what constraints did they put to make sure that the game was still playable um Mm -hmm. you know if you have a 2d grid that's a much simpler problem than if you were trying to do procedurally generated breath of the wild uh areas for example yeah i i love that you brought that up because uh my wife and i uh, have been playing a game called raft which uh, is actually not super new. I think the original version was created as sort of like a student project like six years ago, but it the the final like story chapter just came out recently, and that's how we heard about it. Uh, we actually were watching somebody uh, stream it on Twitch, and I was like, and after five minutes of watching this person play it, I was like, I think I need to play that. And 
it definitely has a, a an element of procedural procedurally generated content in that you are you start the game on a two by two raft like like little wooden foundations and as the game goes on you build that bigger and you craft things like you know water purifiers and grills and all, all that kind of stuff you know stuff to keep you alive while you are stranded on a raft in the middle of a world that is now a huge ocean oh water world um, the game kind of yes um and and you float on the ocean uh, initially you see nothing and you think that's all there is and i mean this is not a huge spoiler because you know it's probably in one of the screenshots but you do run into islands eventually um but as far as i know those islands are procedurally generated like what kinds you 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 come up against and 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 what's on them or you know what where they things are, are stuff like that. All that stuff yeah. yeah i mean i mean i would say that um a game that's even stronger in that is Minecraft, which you know yep. most people know, because every world you create is procedurally generated from a bunch of rules. You know, you say, "I would like a new world, please," and you see a little spinning meter in the in the middle of the screen as it fills in your world or a two D representation of it, and then you have a near infinite world of blocks and biomes and mobs and all that kind of stuff to explore, like. I, you know, just to clarify the difference between that and, like, uh, an older game like, say, Pac-Man, the levels that you play, somebody actually manually decided, here are the walls of Pac-Man. Here are the holes where you can go through. Here's where the ghosts start. Here's where the dots are. Blah, 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 blah. Um, in Minecraft, you know, no one chose manually that a tree would be here or that this biome would be here or, you know, that you know, this ore would be found at this block. You know, they, they just have a bunch of rules and they run a program that follows those rules and creates something. And like you were using the word constraints earlier, you know, the problem with procedure, procedurally generated content is that you don't always get something that's interesting or that is playable even. Uh, you know, you, you might get something where, you know, the world is completely full of blocks that are impassable, and that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So you got to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, and such. right, if you were trying to do a procedurally generated Super Mario game, you know, it could just be one flat terrain. That's that would be perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. It would be very boring, and no one would want to play that. No enemies, no pits, no blocks, nothing. Yeah. Boring. If you start to add in like enemies, then you need to make sure it's beatable still. So right. older games, like the ones that you and I grew up on, were things where somebody actually went in and crafted it, like you said. It's like they mm -hmm. designed the level, they designed the enemies, and they were like, they could really hone the experience. And now we're effectively using artificial intelligence for that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's, it's a rules-based one, but... Right. That's what it is. Although, you know, it's, it's funny because you think that, like, well, now that we have programs they can just generate levels so like why would anybody ever craft a level again but there's still plenty of games that are made where the levels are crafted uh like like you brought up breath of the wild i mean that world is the same for everybody who plays breath of the wild but that world is amazing and huge and full of life and i think people enjoy uh you know like a crafted world because there's intention and yes. there is uh, you know, it, it's it's like if somebody makes a, 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 an algorithm that spits out procedurally generated levels, believe me, 
they are not going to try the infinite possibilities of levels to make sure they all work well. Yeah. Because um, that's just not the point. The, but a crafted world, they do do that. They do have people go in and make sure the world makes sense and that there aren't holes and that and, and that it's fun and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, but that also takes... Well, I don't know. Does that take more time than creating the perfect proc gen, in, uh, in your opinion? I think you are just as likely to run into different problems in both scenarios, right? And mm -hmm. I think you, you still need to QA both of those games about the same amount. In one, you're testing that the game itself is still playable, like over multiple iterations, but you're never going to hit them all. And the other one is you're playing through that game and you're trying to find places to break it. You, you can do that more decisively in the non-procedurally generated one because it's, you know, if I wanted to test every single place in Breath of the Wild or Skyrim or any of those types of places, I can. I can go to every single place and make sure mm -hmm. I cannot get stuck behind this wall or whatever. Um, right. And amazingly, in those, you still can. Uh <laughs> Right, because there's because the worlds are so huge that yeah. it's still really hard to hit hit them all. Yeah, I, I think, mean, I mean that's like debugging any code base, you yeah. know, that that gets so huge. Perfect is impossible. Yes, perfect is the enemy of good enough, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, another mechanic uh, that I wanted to talk about is uh, modding. So mm. I brought up Minecraft, and Minecraft, despite the fact that every world is you know technically unique. Um, people, and, 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 and it has, you know, hundreds of different blocks and hundreds of different items that you can craft and tons of mobs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's the base game, the ba as they call it, vanilla, uh, the base game of Minecraft, uh, has tons to offer and you could probably spend hundreds of hours just playing with that, never modding or, or customizing anything. And yet there are tons of mods for a game, uh, or modifications for a game like Minecraft where people have you know, uh, added new assets or they've added new mechanics. One of the, the coolest mods that I've seen lately is the create mod, which adds tons of like more engineering and, and physics. Uh, it almost turns trying to turn Minecraft into like Factorio or something like that, where you have uh, windmills that like, you know, you turn, but they need like a power source and that, and that can turn, uh, you know, that can have a gear that turns another gear, which turns an assembly line uh, kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's and, and that's not the base game. That was just some person who liked Minecraft enough but wanted to add more stuff to it and created that mod that everybody else could play with. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily make the game, but you could like a game so much that you make something that changes it, that allows people to do new things with the existing infrastructure and that's a huge part of not just minecraft but lots of games yeah i've never really gotten into modding in games because i never stick with a game long enough for that to happen but i mm -hmm. absolutely could see getting obsessed with that kind of thing yeah well i, I uh, wasn't there uh like league of legends is a huge game and that started out like as a mod of warcraft i think i think it was of dota or maybe I have that backwards. I, no, I, I think I think Dota is also. I think I think you're right. I think Dota is a mod of Warcraft that became its own game, and League of Legends is is another um, similar type of game. But yeah, it's like it's like, it's like how Fifty Shades of Grey is really fan fiction for Twilight, or that's how it started out, and then it became its own thing. It's the same idea. 
It's exactly the same thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I wish I had thought of that. Mods are yeah. basically fan fiction. Like they, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's the same idea, right? Fan fiction frequently is, I love this world, this universe so much. I want to write a story in there. I don't want to have to come mm -hmm. up. I don't want to create the entire foundation. I want to just play in this world as a writer. And modding is the same thing. It's like, I want to play Doom, but I want the bad guys to all be Barney. That was the first mod I ever remember having. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Um, but like, it's the same idea. It's it's almost a, a love letter to the to the game engine. Yeah, well, and and I think that's a great uh, parallel. It is very much like that, and and because it has only gotten more popular um, as the technology allows for uh, someone to make a game uh, that can be modded. Uh, you know, now people make games specifically to be modded, you know, like, like they try to make the game as modular as possible. They might write like an API essentially so that if someone wants to change part of the game, it's like set up officially for you to do that rather than you having to like look at the code and hack your change in. Now they're just like, no, 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 just use this, you know, write to these functions and use these variables and the thing, the code you put in will automatically understand um you know the, the the basic structure so that's that's a really cool part and it's a way to extend a game's life you know potentially forever if, yeah. if pe enough people like it no i love that kind of thing it, it goes along with the same things i like about open source software really it's it's not so much like oh i can see your code and make the exact same thing it's i have an idea of a thing i would like to do to this and take mm -hmm. it somewhere else you know i think team fortress yeah. started as like a half-life mod exactly right? that kind of thing Yes. Uh, I like everything you just said, Matt, and agree 100% with it. <laughs> I'm going to take just that um, section of this podcast. I'm just going to keep that as a thing. And oh, I'm gonna, God. I'm going to use it all the time. Anytime. Ever. You know, I, I, uh, I, I got Robin a stream deck uh, for her birthday or Christmas or something like that. I don't know if you know what this is, but it's like one of those things that has the little buttons oh, on right. it that you yeah. can assign to do whatever you want and yeah, start that thing up um you know if i ever become a youtuber or a twitcher uh i would get more into that but uh yeah you could just assign that little sound effect to that and just like anytime mm -hmm. i disagree with you you just like hit that button and say wait i what agree was with like? everything you said um, matt 100 percent. don't do that <laughs> um so a, a couple other examples i was thinking of 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 game devy kind of stuff is uh i've been playing fallout recently uh and the old fallout one and two which are um 2d kind of iso isometric you know at an angle overhead real time uh, not real time um strategy games where you know you input your commands and you do them and then the enemy does their commands um at least when you're fighting but otherwise it's kind of like an adventure game where you you control a person, a role-playing game, you control a person and they're going through a world and they're trying to, you know, go on quests and solve things and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I don't know if I should worry about spoiling, you know, a 30 year Spoiler alert, it takes podcast, place after but, um, a nuclear if... war. Oh, yes, Fallout. Fallout never changes. Um, so, but, but one thing, uh, another game that's like Fallout is Shadowrun, which uh, was a pen and paper kind of game like Dungeons and Dragons at one point. They made it into a Super Nintendo game and a Sega Genesis game and then 
more recently, that was back in like the 90s, but more recently in like the last 10 years, they rebooted it and they did it on PC and Mac, I think. Uh, they All new adventures, but the same kind of style, which is also very Fallout uh, adventure with the, the strategy fighting game part of it. Um, but one thing that was really interesting is at one point, you could only save the game at certain points. So you had to get to like a beat, a certain beat in the story or a certain location to hit save, and then you could stop playing and, you know, go about your day and then come back and reload. And then there was a major feature update where they changed it to where you could save anywhere in the game. And as a developer, like, that's interesting to me because what does that mean and why would that be something that you'd need to change about a game? And that gets into saving state, yep. which is essentially like, okay, you're playing a game, there's a bunch of variables, there's quests, your character might have experience, you may be a certain number of beats through a story, a plot line, but you want to stop playing. And you can't just pause the game like an old Nintendo game and, and wait until you get back from school, which is what I used to do. Um, you want to save your game and exit it and then come back and be right where you were. And there are a surprisingly large number of ways that you can go about that, depending on the kind of game and what you need to save. I'm curious, do you have any specific uh, like experience with that, Matt, or, or not ideas about what you think about it? I haven't done it much. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit here and there as I've been when I've played around with writing games, but never anything I've put into a final product. Yeah, I have, I've looked into it a lot and it, it is much more complicated to do. Like I remember my mom always jokes with me if uh, I would tell her, wait till I die. Uh, Cause I'd be playing Metroid. And the only <laughs> place that you ever got save a save state there was when you died, you exited the game. And what that allowed them to do was just save a small subset of the piece of information it's like all right what upgrades do you have and where are you going to start that was about as much as it would give you and then it reset the world all the enemies come back there's no destructible environment nothing like that but you get into something uh like minecraft for example and saving that every block needs to have some like they need to save information about every single piece of land every creature i'm sure some of it resets uh, mm -hmm. or there's some things that can be redetermined, but anything that you modify has to be stored somehow. And that I, I can only imagine that the jump that Shadowrun had to go through from saving at a particular spot where it's like, okay, I basically just have to do a, I don't have to save anything about where they are or anything else. I can assume that they're at this point in the story. So I don't have to change any of that. I just mm -hmm. have to store where are they? What save location is it? And if there's anything variable about what they could be in uh, or, or what they could have with them. But that, that must have been a big jump to go from static ones. I'm thinking like Super Metroid, like you go into the pods and save versus mm -hmm. I could just save whenever I want. Uh, yeah, no, that that's a great, yeah. Um, I was also thinking of like, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night or basically any Metroidvania kind of game where you can only save at save pods or whatever. Um, I mean... I, I also have never tried to code a game that did that, except um, when I was working on Gem Warrior, um, I did, ha I did, I did ha have to think about like, okay, if, I, if they want to drop out of the game and come back, there needs to be a way to remember what they've done. And so then you start enumerating, okay, 
if if you basically do a diff, um, like a code diff from a new game with where they are in the game, that's kind of like that's your safe state. One yeah. wait, yeah, that's your safe state. As opposed to something like Metroid, where you just have to remember, okay, they're in save pod two. They have this num- number of missiles. Their energy yeah. was this. They've killed this many bosses, but you don't literally have to like save every pixel more or less of the game in cryogenic freeze. Exactly, it's, it's what with these... what things could have changed. There's a, a, right. a small finite amount of like this pickup got picked up. This one hasn't. That's your that's your state, and then they're in this right. spot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, the the place that I've played around with save states is writing text adventure games. Uh, because that is, like you said, that's exactly, okay, I need to know, did they pick up that object from this room, and now it's in this room, and effectively it's my object map, uh, that I, the same thing that I used to build the game in the first place, Yeah, it's basically a diff of that, that's, that is almost exactly what it looked like. Yeah, well, and then I think of something like, what about, like, the Nintendo Switch, where, I mean, when you, uh, put it into sleep mode... Mm -hmm. And then you unsleep it, or like your phone, you're in the middle of the game, you sleep it, you you take it out of sleep. Like they're not doing a diff, like they're instead just taking like a literal like like it was a a virtual machine that they were taking a snapshot yeah. of. Like okay, what is the actual state of this machine right now, and then put it back to that. You know, like take the pointer from nothing to that exact point in time. That's where they are no list of items or uh, achievements so there's like two totally different ways about going about it i've never done that kind i haven't only done the kind i've only done the diff kind and so but there could be many others and that was just something that was very interesting to me like how did they how did they change it how did they handle i have wondered for something like breath of the wild to bring that up again you can save that anytime you want pretty much i Mm -hmm. yep and i i often wondered like what what are they storing exactly? Because <laughs> yeah, there's... like are they storing a ton, or, or are they are they being smart, way smarter yeah. than we're thinking? And because yeah. because well, the only reason I bring that up is because I feel like the more variables and things you have to keep track of, the bigger your save games get. Yeah. Unless unless because if you think about the diff, you can basically be like, okay, this game has five bosses, ten weapons, and seven, you know, quest quest to beat and you th- that could literally just be a bunch of uh it could be a bitmap bit yeah it could be a bitmap right like zero or one did you do it or not and that's like nothing in terms of storage but yeah breath of the wild i i don't it's gotta know be more complicated I, I assume it's it, reading it back has to be more complicated like <laughs> well because that's why loading a game takes so long yeah. on these modern games because they must be doing some craziness in the background yeah the game that my daughter and i are playing right now i'm gonna use this as a transition no, please. point, yeah, is Stray, where you play as a cat mm-hmm. in a dystopian future of some sort. Um, like you do. And that one, I, w- I found myself very frustrated by the save uh, system there because it, it saves for you at certain places. You don't get a choice, mm. and you can't force it. So I was like, I need to go pick her up from camp earlier, right before we did, and I knew I was coming back to do this, and she was going to start playing her part of the game on her save state. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get to a save point. I was eight minutes in and there was no save to be found. I just started running around until it eventually did the auto save. But that one takes ages to reload. And I, I frequently really? wonder there. I'm like, what on earth? Like, cause I'll die 
like two seconds after a save because I did something dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. Two seconds is grossly over, <laughs> grossly <laughs> gross exaggeration of that. It, you know, like a minute after I uh, after I loaded the save, and but it takes just as long to come back. And there's not that I would think that that one would be more of a this is what the world looks like, and you're at this point because it has those. But I I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah, well, and then if that's the case, why can't you just save it when, wherever? Right. Why does it have to be at that at at, at a a time period, a frequency or something? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think I just wanted to mention one more thing because I I feel like like you know like we said before, you could go down so many rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, uh, is a uh, speaking of Legend of Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda. I remember when I first realized uh, why you could only carry 255 rupees yes max because it was two to the eighth power and i'm like oh because it's an 8-bit game and it's an 8-bit integer and that's as many rupees as a variable could hold but as you know six-year-old mike i didn't understand i just thought it was an, an odd cat like why not a hundred why not a thousand um i mean two to the eighth minus but one then, because there you could have zero rupees that's true that's true yeah. um no i remember the same thing i i believe i was in like a computer science class and we were learning about powers of two and I went, Oh, I think I probably said oh out loud really loud. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's, you know, there's a, um, I, of course, because I'm trying to think of right now, um, uh, a great YouTube series where some guy actually goes through some old games and looks through the code and changes the code as the game is running using like a hex editor. Um, but explains really, really well what like like how the code works on these like old nintendo games and honestly it's it's unbelievable that they were able to code them the way they do compared to like the kind of coding i do now like the 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 tricks they had to do to fit all the kinds of things we're talking about into like very very little memory and and it's it's fascinating i'll i'll i will look up the name of the youtube series and i'll put it in the show notes because uh they have many, many of these uh, episodes, and they're all fascinating. Yeah. So that's where you get things like palette swapping, and the clouds and the bushes are really the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, and oh man, I remember. I think the first time I ever heard about palette swapping was Mortal Kombat, uh, when right. there was like, oh yeah, we have Scorpion and Sub Zero, and, Sub-Zero, hey. and Reptile, and Ermac, and yeah, and Smoke. Anyway, um, uh, I think maybe just one more uh, Legend of Zelda again is maps. Man, the Legend of Zelda map back in the day, probably a lot easier to make because there were literal, you know, rectangles yeah. of each scene in the overworld and, the, and each dungeon, and you just stitched them together. But then you look at the map of something like Breath of the Wild, like, how, how do you even begin programming something like that? I don't know. I can only assume that they go with more of like a tile-based system. They're like, okay, in this spot, there's grass. And then in this spot, there's more grass. And then this spot, there's a bush. And that, so, so, like... So, so you're saying... So it's, it's very similar, like, to the original Legend of Zelda, except in 3D? Yeah, but that... But also, I'm, I'm assuming here, and also brought down to a much smaller scale. Like you said before, they were like, okay, this is a room. And this is... I yeah. know what that room is, and that's what shows up on the map. And now you've right. got to take that, and every single piece of that room, almost every pixel, nearly, yeah. like, equivalently... Uh, would need to have its own because it needs to be reflected on on the map and i guess that's a matter of scale like i would assume that right. it goes to something like you know 
some resolution. It's like it's like your GPS. It's only going to give you so much resolution. How much? How right. how how granular is it? I don't know. <laughs> you can't see every grain of sand right. on Google Maps, but you get the gist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we have yeah, a lot I, more I just, that we can talk about on this subject, and we're also this is one of our longer episodes already, so we're definitely going to yeah. have to come back to this topic. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think there's a wealth because game dev uh, includes so many different um, I can't think of the word, but you know, disciplines yeah. of programming that uh, it could go on forever. So we didn't even I, touch I on artificial we, intelligence, and I got all sorts of stuff to say on that. And I know you wanted to really go into that, so I think our next episode is going to have to be just AI. Um, let's do ai of games ai of games there you go um so i i think that's enough for for this for this week you know uh our this yeah for this episode game dev it's very cool it's full of stuff to talk about um we'll release the sequel in a later time yes exactly <laughs> uh but thank you for joining us here on this episode of hacking the grebson we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress 